Welcome back to the Build Podcast. It's part two of our trip around Sun Hill Station at night with Steve Morley, aka Sergeant Stuart Lamont. Coming up, you get to enjoy live reactions as I show Steve scenes from his episodes for the first time since broadcast. Is there a freedom for you? Because I've heard a few actors say, or when they were in it a long time, they'd ask guest actors, what's it like out there? I suppose you were in a quite a unique position. Like you could go and do a Waiting for God. You could go and do a Keeping Up Appearances yeah. whilst also coming back. So how did your contract work where you did your first episode and then you came back for an episode and then there was that drought but then you did like eight episodes in 91 and seven and eight and so how did it I got an individual contract every time right every single time was a new contract so I was just tied to an episode at a time right whenever there was no had I been contracted then they they would have used me a lot more Mm. you know and going back to people you work with I mean it wasn't just the actors of course there, there were Behind the scenes people, yeah, you know the, the the assistant directors, the directors were always free. Like then you got different directors almost every time, but you had the staff there and the, the people like Nigel Wilson, who I, who I still see at the occasional football match. Nigel was a kind of coordinator there, and he, he started as a stage manager. And he, so he it's his job to make sure that all the actors were available for all the different scenes that they were doing. Because at one time you had three units filming, yeah, on in that one. <laughs> Location down in um, South Wimbledon, and and you you know you can't you can't have one actor being in two places at once. Mm. So he had to coordinate all that, and and he was fantastic, and he was very much part of trying to get my character more involved because I've been in it so long, and they said, well, you know, we've got to. So they they did do an episode where they tried, they gave me a lot more, but it was a subplot within the episode, and it was a, a, a new director. Me and Tony Callahan, we, we, we got in now that we rehearsed all this. Tony was great. And um, we were really happy with, with what we were doing with these scenes. It was witty, it was punchy, yeah. we'd got the lines together, we, we knew our stuff, we'd done our homework, as they say, and we'd rehearsed it. And uh, oh, we were about to film it, and he came in, the director came in and said, Look, he said, I don't really know why we've got this scene here. And I said, Well, it's because I've been in this show, God knows how many years, and they want to try and give the character a bit more profile. Mm. And I said, yeah, but it doesn't add anything to the plot. We're not going to do that. And oh, he just no. cut the scene. Oh, and, no. and, you know, I was like, crestfallen, really. Yeah. And, um, and then a, a week later, I went in back and finished off the other scenes. And, and it, was, it was a shame, you know, because um, certain people had put themselves out to try, yeah. and, to try and do that. We, I mean, we did do, it was, it was that particular episode where I'm interviewed yeah, for that's the right, job yeah. And, yeah. and there was some really funny stuff, there were scenes before that that oh. he just cut, he said oh no I'm about a minute and a half over time we, 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 and this is not really part of the story mm. so I mean fair play to him that's what you have to do as a director mm. but it was it was, you know really really disappointing for all concerned mm. and um, you have a wonderful line in that in the interview scene, it's called Shock to the System the episode is written by Chris Russell I laughed out loud because when Colin has the scene where he said, what would you do with this young offender? And you said, well, I'd remonstrate with him, tell him not to behave like a prat. Yeah. It's a great line. I laughed out loud when I first, it's so well delivered. And there's a writer called Richard Stonehouse. Mm-hmm. He writes a lot for Lamont. Yeah. Most of his episodes feature you. So maybe he was a fan of, are you aware of this? or is he Not just, really, no. Right, really. Yeah. I mean, you, you were in all of his, the bills. 
I don't think that's a coincidence. He obviously liked yeah. the character. I mean, it was a time in my life when, you know, recently married baby, um, really struggling, really, really struggling at the time. And anything that came in was welcoming my, my wife. My ex-wife was working as a teacher. So she was going to have to work every day, and I was being a house husband. And, and mm. So if, if I could get in and, d and do anything like you know, any kind of work, it was, it was icing on the cake. But we, we had a tough four or five years until, really, I came back into teaching. Yeah. Um, but I still carried on with the bill. It was always part of my contract that, that what I did professionally was, was something that enhanced what I did in school. Um, and that's still now, that is, that is, even though I haven't really pursued an acting career for, for a while, if something came up, I would be allowed to go out and do it, as long as it didn't disrupt too much. Yeah. I did get a role in EastEnders, and they, they wouldn't let me do that. Oh. Because it was just too disruptive, which is fair. Mm. You know, they pay my wages, fair enough. Yeah, right. Um, but, of course, what it's allowed me to do as a teacher, I'll do this now probably for another three years and retire. Then you'll be back. I'll be back. <laughs> yeah. I can go back. I can be the vet in Emmerdale. Like yeah, that's right. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, please. Oh, like, do you know, that was one of the best jobs I ever had. I love working on the bill. Don't get me wrong. Right. I love Brookside. I did. Yes. And I loved Emmerdale. I was talking to a friend of mine who's um, a stage manager called Andrew Killian, who's a real expert on Shakespeare. And I was saying this to him, and I said, why was it, you know, that I, I'm trained in the theatre, I've had some great successes in the theatre, um, and yet I, the, the word I really loved the most was being in telly and, and the continuity and going into, it like a factory. Mm. It's like factory work. You're going in, they're churning this stuff out. And I said, I could really get into the discipline of that and loved it. And he said, because you love Shakespeare. And I said, what do you mean? What's that going to do with it? He said, because that's how Shakespeare worked. Because Shakespeare would have his... He'd take his play in and everybody would be given their parts and they'd have to learn them really, really quickly. You know, the next week, some, you, you'd go in in the morning and the, uh, somebody, one of the partners would come and say, right, tomorrow night, we're down at the palace, we've got to do Midsummer Night's Dream, here's your roles again, your bits of, bits of paper with your parts on, learn them. And you work like that, you work like mm. a factory. Mm. And that's the way you do it. That was interesting because, you know, great lover of Shakespeare. Where we are now in the Barbican is a spit away from where Shakespeare lived. Yeah. Where he wrote his latter plays. Well, it's a theatrical element. They use you to great effect in the bill with like, the long one-take walk-and-talk scenes. I mean, the longest, you've got a two-minute walk-and-talk through the custody area detailing every single occupant of the cells with Tony O'Callaghan. You've got some great gags. You open up a cell. The, the episode is called The Wild Rover, yeah. That takes some doing, hitting your marks and knowing that the camera has got to come through the door. And all that. I mean, it must have been great fun to make and, and hard work as well. The very first scene I did on the Villas Lamont um, in Balby Road, I believe, it was a long shot going upstairs, along through doors. Yeah. We rehearsed it and rehearsed it for the cameras, of course. And, and we're we doing it, and the, this cable's getting in the way, and this is messing, and, and it's a cracking director. And he was really happy with what we'd done with it, and we were all pretty good on the lines and everything. And there was a pal of mine there who I played cricket with, Mal Mackay, and I said, Mal, I said, how many of takes do you reckon? He said, take about seven, this. I said, we'll do it in one. And he went, no way, pal, no way. And I said, we'll do it in one. He said, yeah, well, I said, no, we've got it together, we'll do it in one. And, you know, and I love those kind of challenges. That's what I love yeah. about the work, yeah. is that kind of challenge, getting timings right. So we came to do it, and we did it perfect. And we'd had a little bet on this. With <laughs> I said, I bet you're fine. Okay, so, and we had this little bet on it. So we did it, 
and everybody said, right, okay, let's, director says, let's have a look at that. And so he has a look, he said, right, I'm happy with that, print that. And oh, I'm going, yeah, yeah, lovely. And then one of the camera gets said, no, sorry, um, we got a glare on the door though. There's something, there's little, can we do it again? Oh. So we did it again, we did it again, we did it again, and we did it seven times, exactly seven times. And he said, right, he said, that'll do, yeah, happy with that now. Yep, yeah, okay, everybody's happy. Right, seven. So Mal's looking at me, he yeah. said, yes, there's me fiver. And I'm just about to give him the fiver, and the director said, no, I said, first one was the best with print <laughs> In the episode, that's the first one we did. Oh, I love it. Yeah, that's a scene to be done, that, that episode. There's a body found dead in there. There is, yeah. They find this, <laughs> the tramp. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah I always just keep him warm. <laughs> yeah. And who was it? was in that. Uh, Kevin was lovely. I really liked Kevin. Mm. I really liked Kevin. And, and it's a tragedy, absolute tragedy what happened to him. Just after Kevin died, and it was in all the papers and everything, mm. and um, I was up in... Uh, in see my brother up in Bradford and he said oh come on we fancy pint tonight so yeah we go out so we went out and he said there's a little comedy club opened up here so we went into this cellar of this this pub and there's a, there weren't many people in there and there was like this comedian got up and started telling jokes and we me and him were on the front row he started telling a joke about Kevin you know, oh, a, no. a sick joke about oh, Kevin no. no I've got nothing against sick jokes unless it's Sunday you know mm. and I got I was so upset and and before before he even finished it, I, I just stood up and walked out. Yeah. Thought, okay, I don't even want to listen to this. And he threw him. And he, he kind of tried to finish the joke off. And he, he kind of stalled as I, just as I was leaving. And, and he said, well, it's something I said. And my brother looked at him and he said, you're talking about his mate, you. So and so. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's such a shame because I, I thought the world of him. And... Um, he, he was lovely to work with them. And what I used to do when I first when I went back into teaching, I I would be doing episodes of the bill, and I would have a word with people and say, "Look, I've got students. I've got A level students who are working in theatre. They want to be actors, whatever. Can they come down and watch? You know, there's certain security things you have to go through and all that kind of thing. And we 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 did all that. And, it, and and Kevin was always the one who would come up. He'd make a fun. Can I get you a cup of tea? Can I get right? I'll get him to give you an autograph. I'll go sort mm. this out. Here's some badges. Never did a lot of paraphernalia in the in, in the bill. Not a lot of yeah. you know the odd badges you used to get. And yeah, yeah. Signed photos, but very very little merchandising at mm. all. Kevin would always sort it out for the kids. Mm. He always always look after. Them, always had time for them. Really nice guy, and it's, it really is a tragedy, as as with one or two others as well. Yeah, you know, but then, there yeah. You go. It was on a long time, and that's life. You had it also, Matt first episode some nice head-to-head scenes with Peter Ellis is that sort of extraordinary because this is the days before widescreen telly when you're, you're doing a side-to-side close-it you're so close to each other's face to, to fit in the it was difficult it threw me at the first time we did that because we were almost touching noses yeah yeah and you because you can't focus you, you can't focus <laughs> on the person in front of you so you, you you're going cross-eyed and, and <laughs> yeah <laughs> And I do remember that, yeah, I remember being thrown by that. And um, that, that was a nice episode, that. And, and it, it, it kind of introduced me to the family that you're talking about as yeah. well. That, that, that there's a lot of bon homie going on. You kind of thought, well, it'd be nice to be a bit more of this. Yeah, yeah. A bit more, a bit lovely. Do you remember your epaulette number? 89? Yes! Was it? Was it? <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. Yeah. <laughs> do you know, I did a, a film for the Metropolitan Police once. I was playing a sergeant, funnily enough, a police sergeant. <laughs> And they didn't have the right uniform for me. They didn't have the epaulets on my jacket. 
A bit on the shirts, but they didn't have it on the jacket. So I'm meant to be from this fictional police station. So they said, all right, we've got to go get some epaulets sewn on a jacket for him. Well, where do we go? We go to Lambeth Police Station because that's where they do all the sewing at Lambeth Police Station. <laughs> so it must be where they keep the uniforms or something. So, we're, so I'm taken down there by these guys. And I'm sitting in a police station, yeah. right, um, with, waiting for this thing to be sewn and given back to me. And I'm sitting there on my tub and two detectives, real-life detectives, walk past and they see me sitting there and they've clocked my epaulets, and they don't recognise the letters. And they stop and he says, excuse me, Sarge. And I've gone, oh, shit. <laughs> I said, um, these letters on your, um, your epaulets. He said, my mate reckons he's, um, he's a, you know, he knows all the London epaulets. He said, but he don't recognise that one. He said, well, which station's that then? And I thought, what the hell do I, I, just compl- I thought these are real coppers are going to nick me for impersonating a police officer. <laughs> Which most of us on the bill could have got Nick for two years, and and, it, and I didn't know where to look, and and so I'm tongue tied, and I'm, I'm and then he suddenly said, ah, he's one of these we're not meant to know about, isn't it? He's one of, and he starts touching his nose and going, oh, get one of them secret ones, isn't it? And, and I'm kind of going, yeah, well, um, and, and suddenly this idiot who I'm working with, one of the film people. Uh, as a retired policeman comes up. All right, gentlemen, this is an actor. And, and, <laughs> and they looked at me like, and I thought, oh, yeah. nearly got away. You had it, yeah. <laughs> well, let's take a look at some Lamont clips, starting with your first episode, Seen to be Done, from 1989. Yeah, Rogers. Lovely, lovely man. And when we did my play Just of with Larry in it, through a party, I had a restaurant afterwards, and threw a party with five sergeants from the builder. Oh. And that, that was the last time I saw Roger. Oh. Good opportunity, this, to stamp your authority on a, on a role like this, because it's the first time we've ever seen another sergeant in the series. Yeah. It was, it was a. Because she thought then it was such um, a big role in it. That you thought, well, maybe you know, there's going to be more coming from this, and it would have been nice to develop the character. Suckers yeah. on the way around. Um, because she got little opportunities as the years went by, and that's when I started to try to bring the humour in it. Yeah. Is, there is an episode where, where I'm whistling. I've done something wrong. I've clocked up somewhere, and I'm trying to hide it, and I end up whistling. Yeah, you know, just and and this, I said, what do I whistle? I said, well, I whistle right, anything. So when we rehearsed it, I whistled the thing to from Dixon of Doctor Green, and he went, no, no, not having that. Look at that eye to eye. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of the rare occasions that I was outside, outside the station. And now here's Series Seven's Bottle from 1991. Sam Miller is now quite a prolific television director. Is he really? Yeah, he's been nominated this, for uh, Emmys and he's a clever lad. Mm. Really clever lad. Good actor. Did a lot this of theatre. Saw so him in Shakespeare. Saw so, uh, him drinking to the third in the West End. Oh wow! And later in series seven, we've got Access. This is the first time you've seen it since it was on. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't see a lot of them when they were on. So it's nice being able to, to, to look at this after all these years and, and be unembarrassed, really. I, you know, I can look at this and look at the character. Yeah, it's solid. Uh, eye to eye again. Yeah. <laughs> Tony. Well, I love that expression. They use that a lot in the pear-shaped. Yeah. It used to come out and you think, where did this come from? <laughs> yeah. It originated in the build pear-shaped. Oh, yeah, I'm just going to make 
This is your two minute one take. Well, I'm impressed. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's a lot of business there. A lot of yeah. stuff. A lot of stuff going on. You know, and it's it's very competent. Now, Jeff had to drop that torch. That's it. Yeah. Are you quite pleased seeing that? Yeah, yeah. I've forgotten all about that. You know, I remember about about the uniform, the ties. The ties really surprised me when when they gave me the uniform because they're clip on. Uh-huh. And obviously, policeman, a policeman is not going to have a knotted tie because if somebody grabs it, they're going to throttle them with it. Oh, yeah. So it's just a, a clip-on tie, which is common sense. Yeah, because you don't think about don't it. Don't think about it. it. What was Tony Callahan like to work with? Smashing. Yeah. yeah. Very, very professional. Always knew his stuff. You know, no, no nonsense. Um, just you know, went in, got on with it. Both yeah. of those episodes are directed by Chris Lovett. I remember Chris. Chris actually is married. And I presume he still is married to Hutchinson, Caroline. I thought it was Caroline Hutchinson oh. from who was um, played Sandy American in, in Emmerdale. In Emmerdale. Oh. Yeah, so there was a connection there. Oh. So it was always, yep, say hello to her for me. Yeah, yeah. Chris, Chris, good, good director, good atmosphere on set when he was working. Very light, um, nothing heavy. Yeah. Yeah. He directed more episodes than anyone else of the bill. Yeah. Well, he didn't surprise me because he was, you know, very, very good at his job. There was another director called AJ Quinn who later used you in Where the Heart Is. That's right. Yeah. Was that? I suppose that was a good thing. You're always working with new directors who were then yeah. going off to do other shows, and you were one member of the cast who could go and do them because yeah. you weren't tied down. So there was another Lawrence Moody. Oh yes. Now Lawrence, did, Lawrence did an episode of the Bill that I was in. And but I knew Lawrence because I used to teach his his daughters, and he got he, he got in touch one day and said, "Could I do this?" It was a trade film, and he said, "There's no money in it, mate." He said, "It's just, it's just if you want to." So I, I said, "Yeah, of course I'll do it for you." And so off I went. We did this film up in Woodford and with um, John Woodvine. Oh yeah, lovely. John, actor, John yeah. Woodvine was it was just me and him doing this trade film, and it was a lot of rabbit and and difficult and. And they'd, they'd asked me to buy a suit, for the, for the, and they gave me the suit after it was a brand new suit. I thought, well, I'd have got a nicer one than this, but I know they were going to give me it. <laughs> and that was, that was my fee. Yeah, keep the suit. And, um, about a year went by, and this, this, this company suddenly found that they'd got some funding for this work, and they said, oh, we can't pay you now. And, and they actually paid me, paid me for it. But, but Lawrence, then, as a, as a thank you for doing that favour, got me in, back into the bill I don't suppose that was down to him, but it, maybe it was just coincidence. But then we he did an episode, uh, or some episodes of Soldier, Soldier, and he said, there's, there's a role here, Steve. He said, but it's, it's not a big role, but, you know, thank you. Do, oh, uh, that's fantastic. Right. Yeah, so, you know, it's great when there are people who... You do do a lot of favours. You know, a lot of, lot of actors will do fringe theatre for nothing um, in the hope of being seen, but it's nice when you're remembered by the people you've done the favours for. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's interesting seeing, seeing those again and... and Within this distance of time, thinking, well, actually, you didn't do a bad job there. Well, you were great yeah. in the bill. I'm amazed that you'd think anything else, really. You know. Well, as I said, I didn't see many of them. Yeah, I, I saw I saw one or two. I saw the, the tramp one. I think it was that one. You know, if you if you're only doing the cough and the spit in it, it mm. you know, really worth it, really. But um, you can you can get overcritical. Hmm. I can just as I did originally, I used to sit there and giggle. <laughs> <laughs> Here's some scenes from series nine and ten. Look at Eric, very, very professional. Yeah. Always new stuff. I'd like to laugh. Liked his motorbikes. 
Yeah, you become like a walk and talk master, you know. Yeah, like, like yeah. Open and close episodes of you walking and talking. I like the way you put these as highlights. <laughs> <laughs> the highlights and the lowlights. <laughs> this is Patrick Murray. <laughs> yeah, some nice bits. I've forgotten. Um, they, they look nice. Yeah, together like that. Great. I mean, uh, one of the fans, Karen Carpenter, is a massive The Bill fan. She's in Australia, and she wondered. She knows that Nuala Como used to hide her sandwiches in her police handbag. She wondered whether you ever hid anything in the custody sergeant drawers, or if anyone was a bit of a practical joker in that department. Or... No, I, I, I used to put my money in my costume pocket. And I, yeah. <laughs> I don't leave it. I'd never leave my wallet in <laughs> in my. Not that I didn't trust anybody. I just didn't trust anybody. <laughs> um, yeah, um, so I was always aware that I had things in my pockets that weren't part of the set. And of course, now I I, um, I need glasses all the time. So I think if I, if I need to tell you again, I'd have to do something with... I did a commercial a few years ago in, in Amsterdam, and, and I had to wear glasses as the character. And yeah. they got me some glasses, and I couldn't see a damn thing. Oh. Right, and I said, can I just wear my own glasses, please? And they went, yeah, sure. <laughs> sure, you're gone. Yeah, so, so, uh, give me my own glasses. Sarah Went, who's another fan, she's got a bill for him, a billeton. She wondered, like, they, they hinted there, and you're seeing with Tony O'Callaghan that you only see your own kids once a month. Does that mean, was there a Bible for Lamont? Was there an actual character guide that was written and updated for continuity? Or It was some, the, the, one of the scenes they cut was about him, and again, some good, Tony O'Callaghan had this great line in it about me taking kids out. I said, well, I take all these kids out on Outward Bound courses. He said, yeah, you nearly garroted three of them. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like Lamont was, you know, kind of did the job, but was a bit incompetent, really. You're like, you know, there is an episode where I, there is some cock-up that Lamont's responsible for. It's the whistling scene. Yeah, that's in Series 17's Tinderbox. You send the facts to the press about your greengrocer. You know, so he's cocked that up. And he, he, he is kind of the late shift guy when it's a bit, maybe a bit quieter, you know, the, the, the graveyard shift. and, and um, so, um, But he, he did tend to cock things up a little bit in the background. And, and yeah, and there was that reference to his kids, who obviously is divorced from that, mm. um, doesn't see his own kids, and, and does outward bound courses, but tends to lose children. Yeah, not, not a great recommendation for this job, is it? Not really now. There's some good good times in it. Good, um, it's, it's nice to see that, and, and you know they bring bring a lot of memories back. And I used to get the same fee, no matter whether it was one line or. Yep, wow. I, I go and I do. I literally do that that little scene there, and I get the same fee as if I was doing half the episode. Wow. Yeah. Very expert at shutting the wicket in yeah. people's faces. Yeah, they stop moving you back into CAD towards the end yeah, of your. Yeah. There was one CAD episode where there was something going on somewhere that was a bit of an emergency, and, I, and when we did the um, rehearsal of it, I did it like it was a some massively dramatic moment from a Hollywood movie, you know, really over the top. And, and the director would just can we just like turn it a bit more natural? Just you know, don't act it, just say it. <laughs> Which is quite right. It was ridiculous. You know, <laughs> what are you doing? Please, no, don't, don't, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's just in the cad room they don't talk like that they don't get emotional they just yeah. want to know the facts so they can send the right people one of your yeah. cad episodes was directed by Susan Tully of EastEnders fame <laughs> can't remember no <laughs> I should remember because I, I thought she was a fantastic actor in that series yeah I should remember that then again though I mean it's one, it's one of the last ones in 2001 
because they butcher you down to like yeah. it's, it's you're on the other half of a phone call with Andrew Paul reading information on a computer, but maybe it was a first assistant who did the scene and then you know yeah. she didn't even get to do it, you know, because it's very. Why did the work stop? I, I think it was. You know, you get a storyline, and the writers that knew you would, mm. would write you in if the, if the storyline went over the shift. I, it just dried up, and, and, and but that was the nature of, of, of that series. I think it's to a great extent it's the nature of TV as well. It's it's whose flavour of the month. When I, when I was attempting to write it, you'd go into the to the meetings of a certain day of the week. You would go in, and you'd have your meeting, and they and said, "Right, this is we, we've had the producers of all, and everybody's had their meetings. We want." Garfield or whoever to mm. you know we we want to give him a bit more he's not done a lot recently so you go on for a week and you work like hell on a, an episode for for Garfield or whoever and come back next week and they say ah no we we, we, we you've done it about Garfield yeah well that's what, no 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 it's it's uh, Tosh lines now we we, we that's, mm. and you think well you can't keep up with it it was yeah. it was whoever's whim was uh, certainly as a writer very unsuccessful I, I couldn't. I couldn't work the way they wanted, and you mm. have to you have to be very very disciplined and and have a thick skin to work as a TV writer. I, I used to know the guy. I used to know socially the guy who wrote Minder, oh, and wow. um, Leon Griffiths. And Leon was well known that you could say to you could lock him in a room and say we want ABC, and he, and, you, and he, he wouldn't Just, come yeah. out until it was done. And he and he had that discipline, whereas most writers are writing what they want to write mm. in the way that they want to do it. And I, I mean, I, re- I remember they had a couple of policemen there whose job it was to to look at scripts that were the, the new scripts that came in, and to take out anything that that, that wasn't right, or, or just to look at the co- the continuity or the accuracy of things. And um, I went out with some policemen around Wimbledon in the back of their car, and they were following another car that had its hazard lights on. And so one of the cops said to the other, he said, Did you know, what's he got his hazard phone for? He said, I don't know. And he said, so they followed him for a bit and said, well, he's, he's driving all right. So we just flashed him. So they flashed him and he pulled over. And when the policeman got out and he went to the driver's door and the driver opened the door slightly and then looked out and up at him. And the policeman said, sorry, it bothers you. He said, nothing but He said, but you do realise you've got your hazard lights on. And the guy looked up and said, yeah. And he said, well, any particular reason? He says, yeah, he says, when you're as pissed as I am, you're a hazard. <laughs> and he fell out of the car. And so they nicked him. They put him in the back of the police car with me. And, um, and they, they took him in. And, and I wrote this episode, into, I wrote this, this story into an episode that I was writing. I was quite pleased with the episode. And it, it, I got called in to see these two retired policemen who were looking at it. And they said, just seeing here with a car. I said, yeah, he said... He said that actually happened, didn't it? I said, "Yeah, it did." Yes, I saw that. He, he, he said, "Hmm." Line straight through it. He said, "We don't do humour in the bill." And I thought, first I've heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> There's lots of little bits we got you, you got in there. Yeah. And um, so, you know, there were some ideas that I got in that were developed by other writers. Some things, some treats, treatments that I was I was paid for. Yeah, but none of my episodes that, 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 that the episodes that I wrote um, were taken on, and, I, and you know, they, they, mostly my fault, mostly because I wasn't in tune with it, and um, but it also partly to do with the, the politics that were going on within the studio, and this producer wants this, or it's this turn, or, or whatever. Mm. You know, there's, it, 
it's like anywhere, any big organization, you're going to get politics. Yeah. Um, you know, and if you've got a lot of egos around the place, mm. <laughs> even more politics. There were some good moments um, filming it, and 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 I, I met some some old mates, people that I'd been at drama school with. Suddenly got an episode in it, and we could oh. reminisce. And and Simon Rouse, who joined it. Well, into my stint on it, but uh, Simon came in, and and we were in the youth theatre in Bradford together. Oh wow! And funnily enough, I taught his his, his niece um, when I first started in the school, and um, saw him last year at the Doctor Who convention up in Sheffield. Um, he was there at the same one, and and Simon, Simon, you know, I, I remember Simon when he was sixteen, seventeen, say, sitting in this little studio in Bradford I'm going to be a big star me <laughs> he knew it even then yeah so um, there's some lovely moments yeah um, happy times as a whole happy times you know but it's the nature of the work it, it is like a factory it, um, these these kind of productions that they do they're churning these things out there's a lot of people very busy wanting to keep their jobs wanting to do well you know, the, the, the job of all their, those cameramen and, and, and uh, lighting people and everybody is, is they're there to make you look good. Mm. They might think they're there to make them make sure they do their job properly and don't get caught out, but they're actually there to make you as an actor look good. And if they're doing their job well, you know, you're going to look well. So it's up to you to do your job mm. as well as that. And, and there were those that were just superb at it and that would, you could really stand back and admire. And there were those that let themselves down as, as you... Just mm. every, anywhere, everywhere you get the same thing. Mm. Um, but as a sort of observer of, of life and people and everything, I found it fascinating. In all the time in TV and filming, you spend a lot of time hanging around waiting. And so I used to sit there and just watch how people had changed. You could see that on the years that I was in there. I remember certain actors coming into it and I would talk to them and say, look, you've got a lovely regular bit in this. You're very, very lucky. Don't ever forget that. Look after your money. Because, yeah. you know, when you'll never know when you're going to be written out of this. Like they did in my Doctor Who episode with, um, was it Adric or yeah, what his yeah. name was? You know, he did, yeah. he did. The first he knew that he was going to be written out of the, of, of the series was at the first read through. Nobody said anything to him. And um, so I was saying, you know, I used to kind of, if I got chatting to people, I'd always, you know, like the teacher. I'd be, saying you know make sure be careful how you should be careful outside I've had these things happen to me you just mm. be aware that people react differently to people they see on the telly in, in different ways and then I'd watch them and some you think oh he's got an head on his shoulders he'd be alright and then they, you see the change mm. you see the change in the way they worked You see, not all of them by any means not no. but the one that you know you'd, you'd see oh, and then certain people you'd never see them again no you know? It's it's a difficult, difficult business, but it's wonderful. I remember doing a, a careers evening when I was kind of being very negative about it and saying, you know, you don't really want to be doing this to all these students and saying, no, it's, it's you know, 90-odd percent are out of work at any one time. It's mm. soul-destroying. It's hurtful when you, there's so many disappointments. And somebody, and, and I've gone on at length about this and trying really trying to put people off, I suppose, not deliberately, but just telling it how it is. And somebody says to me, well, why did you do it? And I, and I thought, what a great question. You know, why did I? And I said, because it, when you're doing it, there's nothing better in the world yeah. than being part of a team that can play and, and create and, and being just giving. 
just, mm. just giving like that. There's, and there really isn't, for me, the, the times I had, a, like doing Emmerdale, I'll never forget, I absolutely adored it. I adored, for many different reasons, just the professionalism and the work. And um, but, I, but I was staying with my mum. In those days, I used to pay you for hotels. And I used to give my mum all this money. She used to oh. try and give me it back and everything. Because she only lived down the road. But, you know, and I'd go into my local club and they all used to say, hey, up, Emmerdale. <laughs> you know, lots of great stories. And the same with the bill. And, and these, these where you, re- because most jobs as an actor, you do it and you don't see people again. Mm. You never see them. At, loads of actors I've worked with, that I see him on the telly and think, oh, she was a nice person. He was, he was great. I wonder, I wonder how he's doing. You know, you just don't come across each other again. You're lucky if you do. Was well, it a nice feeling for you that, I mean, the... There would be fans all over the world delighted to hear your memories on this. And, you know, I wrote to a few to say that I was interviewing you. And you were like, yes, they love I'm amazed, I'm amazed. Are you? Yeah, because it's such a peripheral character, you know. Oh, you've been, right. All right, he came in now and again. And you, if you're a real fan, I suppose you're going to go, oh, he's back. But you've um, warmed the cockle of my heart, as they say. Because oh. I mean, it's, it's nice to be appreciated, obviously. Mm. And for a body of work that, you know, it's a little bit every now and again, and and you go and you do your best and everything, and you, you kind of forget about it. And it was always, I suppose, a constant disappointment mm. that the character was never developed. And it was always, I always thought, such a great shame. And and I wasn't the only one. There were many people who, who um, in in the building there, in in the factory, <laughs> who um, you know, whenever I came and said, why have they never done anything with, with, with the character? You know, you're obviously, the little bits you have, you can, you're making something of. So in a sense, yeah, getting another job on the bill and going in, a new contract again, and going in and hopefully, mm. it was like you're starting again every time, mm. but there were those people there who always made you feel welcome, like Larry and Eric and Trudy and, and Ben Roberts, what a character. <laughs> I could tell you some stories about Ben. Oh, please. He's wonderful. I'm not going to do it. No. <laughs> nothing, nothing salacious, but the real eccentric, lovely, lovely, lo- lovely character to work with. <laughs> totally, utterly different to the character he played. In, and, and, you know, you have this sort of hard professional copper. Yeah. There. Nothing, nothing like this um, fun-loving eccentric that would do some crazy things, um, and I can't possibly. I'll let him tell you that if, I, if you can find him. Yeah, yeah, we'll track him down. Yeah, but but to the fans, um, immensely grateful. I mean, that's that's really cheered me up no end. Um, and the kids that I work with, you know, um, well, if, if if they ever heard this, I think they'd be very surprised. Yeah. <laughs> They think Mr. Morley and all these stories, you know, they call, they call me Mr. Story, you know, all my, all my theatre stories and everything, but um, they probably just think it's me making it all up. No, no. And uh, we ask each interviewee to nominate a charity as well, but the listeners can donate a couple of quid to if they feel so inclined. Is, is there anything that's particularly important to you that people could support? Well, I always, um, I, I have a standing order going out to Amnesty International. I've been a, a, a great supporter of them over the years I've written thousands of letters for Amnesty International so um, that's a, a very noble cause and there's an English charity called the Campaign Against the Arms Trade which might be a bit political for some people but um, I think the sooner we stop selling people weapons the sooner we'll get rid of our wars yeah. maybe, maybe that's just optimism 
But that's uh, Amnesty and the campaign against the arms trade of the charities that I support. Fantastic. Well, I am so grateful to you for doing this. I, I appreciate all all my approaches to try and get in touch as well. You must have thought you this crazy Bill fan who wants to uh, track me down. But I'm uh, I'm really grateful for you. I've enjoyed time. it, and and thanks for you know reminding me of all that stuff. It's um, I say some of it I've never seen, and all of it's forgotten just about. But hmm. not anymore. I've I've enjoyed that, and um, to the people who are listening, thank you. Huge thanks to Steve for throwing himself into that interview and providing such an interesting take on the bill and on the acting profession as a whole. I really enjoyed meeting him. He took me on a a tour of the school for girls where he teaches in the historic Barbican in London and his passion for his subject was infectious and I really enjoyed our evening together. My huge thanks as well to both Larry Dan and Ian Cullen for helping me track down Steve and get in touch. And I'm sure we're all grateful to have heard Steve's memories. Steve's nominated charity is Amnesty International, the world's leading human rights organisation campaigning against injustice and inequality everywhere. You can find out more and make a donation at amnesty.org.uk. Also, just a little note to manage some expectations. I I hear from uh, a lot of very enthusiastic The Bill fans about, oh, I'd love to hear a so-and-so on the podcast. Some people tell me the same people they'd like to hear. Over and over again. The reason I don't comment on this at all is that some of the actors have said no, and it would be unprofessional of me to detail who has said no. There are others who are either on tour in the theatre or are away making films and television, and so at this time they're not available, but the door might be open later, so I check in and out. But yeah, there have been some and some well-known names who have politely declined to take part. It's just not for them, and we've got to respect their decision there. There's still some fantastic interviewees coming up that are recorded for the rest of the year. Sit back and enjoy them, and let's see what Series 3 of the Bill podcast brings in 2019. Next time on the Bill podcast, I have the enormous pleasure of interviewing one of the finest actresses this country has ever produced. She still continues to add top-notch drama to her resume, So get ready for a trip down memory lane with the legendary Carolyn Pickles. Well, playing a boss woman is great. (laughs) Yeah, a pen-pushing boss woman. I like the idea that she was in control of these guys, and I'd had a look at who I was going to be in control of, and I liked that idea. I'd watched a bit of Prime Suspects and seen Helen Mirren in the role, and that was a breakthrough. Thing, to cast, you know, to cast a woman in that man's world for her. So when the chance was offered to me, I was really pleased. And if you think about it, you know, there aren't. I mean, now we've got Cressida Dick in the Metropolitan Police. 
We don't think twice that women are in leading roles.